0: All right. Welcome back, everybody. It feels really good to say that. Uh, It's a little bit, the feeling feels a little bit like the first day of school, as I described it off camera. And We are on episode 37. Very, very, very excited to have um, the person sitting next to me right now on the show. I want to start by saying thank you to my good friend, Christy Rumsey, your employee, for setting this up and playing Cupid, as I call it, Um, in connecting us. This is a great start back to we took a couple months off, moved our studio space, have a fresh new look, doing some rebranding, and managed to get Sean Evans to take time out of his day to come on the show. So first and foremost, thank you. I know you're really busy. We have a lot to talk about, but I appreciate you coming over. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm the first one back in
1: studio. Yes. Oh, very cool. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. A great,
0: great CD. I love the rebrand. It's Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Yeah, we were doing some out of studio work, um, and I, I told you a little bit about it, covering some uh, business owners during the pandemic, coming out of that, and then we knew we were moving studio spaces out of downtown over here, and. Uh, and yeah, you're the first. So nice. We're we're pumped. It is five o'clock, so naturally we got a beer to yeah. uh, to enjoy. And I know you're right back um, at the office. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, worry, I've got a bottle of wine waiting for me at the office. Oh, on, perfect. On
0: brand. <laughs> Anytime you want to drop those off, you know our address now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I gave you a little format on the show and. I know you have a. There's a ton to cover. Um, your team did a great job filling me in on your personal background and your career, but also your companies. And I, I think just sitting with you right before we went on air, we learned a little bit more of stuff that we didn't know. So it's really exciting. Some of the work that you're doing in the business you have, I'm I'm personally um, and professionally into and attached to. So I have a lot of questions that uh, I'm excited to get answers to. Um, but as per usual, you know, I want to go back to the real starting line of of Sean Evans' story, and I know you're, you're Uh, originally a Pacific Northwest Oregon Oregon guy yep that's right Willamette Valley okay so so talk to me about that and how you got you made it down to sunny San Diego cool yeah Uh,
1: 30,000 foot view or or I guess three minute summary grew up in uh, northern California in Davis which is about um, it's about 15 minutes west of Sacramento 30 minutes east of Napa Valley uh, home of UC Davis the Mm -hmm. number one a viticulture school in the country actually. Mm. So a lot of people go there to study winemaking and then they go to work in Napa. Mm. Um, I actually didn't go to school there though. I graduated from Davis High and went up to Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, Willamette Valley. Yeah, Famous for their Pinots and and other wines up there. And uh, I did undergrad and B school at Willamette back to back and um, played football there. I was a male cheerleader. I actually started the male cheerleading team. Or really? Not the cheerleading team in general um, okay. while I was there. Uh, so that's an interesting story, actually. I did uh, football all through high school during the fall, and then cheerleading in the uh, for spring. Oh, wow. And same thing in college. That's um, a fun fact. Yeah, yeah fun <laughs> fact. And then actually, I bring it up, because I went on to be on the Portland Trailblazer stunt team for two years after that. No shit. Yeah. Wow. And traveled to Hong Kong with them, uh, performed for Festival of, the, Festival of the Malls, I think it is, but uh, like hundreds of thousands of people going to Hong Kong to visit all the malls. There's a mall uh, on every other corner in downtown Hong
0: Kong. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's a whole another story. It's not really relevant, but it's cool. It's funny though, Willamette, I had a roommate in Arizona who went to Willamette and played football as well. His name oh, okay. Jason Harden. Oh, I know Jason Harden. Small world. Jason, so <laughs> I was a Fidel. He
1: was SAE. That's so and funny. he was two years younger than me.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. I figured I'm like, I know it's not an enormous school, and we actually used to... He's a firefighter now in, in Phoenix, and my roommates were firefighters. We usually, actually actually give him a lot of shit because we're like no one's heard of Willamette because he used yeah. to he'd still wear all his football gear around. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah, Nobody knows what Willamette is, <laughs> yeah. so it's funny to hear. No that. one knows that's cool, bro. Take
1: off the jersey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Small world, man. Yeah. So Jason Harden came in when I was a junior, I believe, maybe as uh, when I was a sophomore. But uh, yeah, he was D line. I was O line. He, so, he was a big boy back then. Yeah. So I went against him every day in practice for two years. That's
0: so funny. I still talk to him. He's like my number one who I talk to when I go. Every time I go back. He's oh, like cool. One of my closest. Boss. Yeah, he's a great guy.
1: Yeah. Um great guy. He was super fun in college. I'm sure he's still so a great guy. Oh, person. yeah. Definitely. Uh, he was good too. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was big, and that was no, no, we gave it. him a lot of shit, but we d- we did some homework, and he was he was a really good player. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he was. I didn't mean to take you off course either. I just oh no, it's had to good. see him like in the small town if he uh, if you knew him, but that's really funny you did.
1: Yeah, well, Willamette I think had like thirty five hundred students, so mm-hmm. it's like glorified high school mm-hmm. basically, um, at least in the undergrad. But then. Uh, you know, then they have five different graduate schools. So uh, it's it's a decent size. It's the oldest uh, university on the West. Oh, wow. Which is cool. Really cool. Um, so while I was uh, on the Portland Trailblazer stunt team, right out of grad school, uh, I got the opportunity to open my first company. It was a youth athletic training facility. We specialized in gymnastics, dance, cheerleading, um, birthday parties, babysitting. Mm. And there was a huge white space in Portland for that. And um, I wasn't super uh, aware of it, but I was, I was in business school. I was on the, on the stunt team. And somebody contacted me you know, through that and uh, got to know me. And uh, we worked camps in the summer together. And they were really aware of the opportunity. Mm. And they needed a partner, kind of like a face. They wanted to do all the back of house. They wanted me to handle all the front of house. And um, so I was 20, just newly turned 22 and wild. No idea what I was going to do, and got the opportunity. So I was like, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no business plan. Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, no. So you started with them. You guys started it together? Yeah, so we started it together. Um, we found a, um, a privately owned commercial space in Tigard, which is just south of Portland. Mm. And uh, opened up the studio, paid first month's rent, uh, and then bought all the equipment on a couple credit cards. Love um, it. Yeah. The huge. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no investment strategy. No. Um, you know. No. Like I said. No real business plan. Um, but we worked really hard, and we went from uh, you know zero enrollment. We got five different high school contracts to do their training, which so was really which cool. was a ton because they would come in. That was hundred students right there, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Like we got out that we were, had a great gym offering a great product, um, and. Uh, we did we did summer camps. That was like our in mm. with with like <clears throat> the whole city, mm-hmm. um, and then we parlayed those into year long students in the gym, and then it kind of trickled down from there. Our average age student was probably 15 or 16 mm. um, for the first uh, six months, and then you know all their little brothers and sisters started coming to classes, yeah. and then word got out and. We ended up having about a thousand students um, wow. after, like, during the second year that we were open. That's crazy. Yeah, and so we ended up opening a, um, a training facility in uh, Beaverton, which is like an hour west, mm-hmm. and then a third one in Corvallis the year after, which is like an hour and a half south, the home of Oregon State.
0: Really cool. Yeah. So was that was that what you budgeted? Like, did you plan on having a thousand, or did it just take off? I don't.
1: No, we were, we were bootstrapped all the way to the end. Um, you know, when classes got too full and people started complaining, we hired mm-hmm. another trainer. That's <laughs> uh, cool. Bought another mat, you know, whatever, whatever is needed.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I, it kind of ran its course for me with the partnership and with the Pacific Northwest in general. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be up there long term, and, and I hadn't really experienced anything else. You know, I went straight into it after grad school. Um, So I actually ended up selling my portion to the other owner. Um, He bought me out. We we did like a a independent third party appraisal. The value agreed on a number, and I was out like two thousand mid two thousand five. Oh wow! So I ran it like about a little over three years. Really cool. Yep. Moved down to South Orange County. Oh, OK, I was um, going to say, and then what was, the, what was the next move? Was yeah. Straight shot down. Moved to South Orange County. Um, I had a consulting client. I was also at, at the, uh, my role as one of the partners was to go to all the conferences um, mm. around the country. And at first to go as an attendee. So I would go and take all the classes and learn everything I could, both about business um, but also about that industry specifically um, training materials, you know, a- everything I could. I went to every class for, sure. um, for three years. And, um, the third year one of the conferences actually st- asked me to present. Um, so then I started presenting at the conferences instead of attending them. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I moved to South Orange County, I had a few consulting clients from that. And, um, so I moved to, I moved down to SoCal with uh, a couple consulting clients and, you know, and, uh, a check in my pocket from, say money in the
0: bank, yeah,
1: and kind of was like retired for six <laughs> months more yeah. or less, other than traveling Good and place and, to retire yeah and then uh, and then I realized that i didn 't sell my company for uh, enough money to retire at <laughs> age twenty five um, and especially not to live in South Orange county
0: no definitely not <laughs> yeah, sure, short, short shelf life yeah, yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so um, so I went back to work I, I stepped up my uh, consulting practice. Um, marketing I went to work for a production company in Hollywood uh, at the same time and started doing um, nightclub openings restaurant openings really Um, yeah being in the nightlife scene for two years and that was really cool Mm -hmm. Um, that introduced me to celebrities um, Mm -hmm. investors uh, Hollywood in general and. and so I did that while I was
0: uh, building my consulting practice. I was gonna say I kinda see how this is shaping the road to where you're at now. Yeah, like the nightlife coming from wine country and all that. Yep. Um, but I mean your first business is definitely different than what you're you're doing now. So how I guess like jumping into that and you had the consulting from where where is the where is that bridge where did the bridge happen there?
1: Yeah. That's uh it was completely organic actually. Mm. Um so as I mentioned, I was working in Hollywood. I had three or four consulting um, clients over the next ten years hundred um, percent referral based uh, my you know this gym would have a parent that owned another company and mm-hmm. they needed help uh, they needed help building a sales and marketing strategy. so they would refer me i 'd go in for a six month contract and really cool build a strategy for them and just snowball from there. I did that for almost 10 years, 100% referral-based uh, globally. At one point I had clients in uh, England, Norway, Australia. No kidding. Uh, yeah, Canada, the US. And your consulting was specific to that space, that industry? I'd say uh, about 50% was always um, youth training facilities, mm-hmm. or just training facilities in general. I had a couple like um, typical, like your standard workout gyms and stuff. Mm. Um, but it ran the gamut. I my first non-training uh, facility client was a print label manufacturer in Temecula. Mm. And they made like medicine bottle labels, wine bottle labels, like traditional print labels. Sure, yeah. And um, there was a mom and pop business they'd owned it for 20 years. And they were kind of stagnant. They were doing, uh, I think they were doing about three and a half million a year. And um, they needed someone to come in and, and uh, scale their sales team. It was all in-house mm-hmm. time. It was actually the wife that was doing it, just off inbound leads. Wow! And so um, went in on a, on a, I think it was a three-month contract to build a sales team for them, and it turned into twelve months because we did like internal efficiency evaluations. We helped streamline their production, um, and then built them a sales team so
0: they could grow and scale and and sure. not lose business. Wow, so what? I mean, sounds like you built a, a a monster of a company. It is. It, what was the what was the exiting out, or was there an exiting out of of the consulting firm?
1: Yeah, so uh, funny story. I uh, it was always um, kind of a three man operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself as the talent, kind of going in, and then people kind of managing the books and my schedule and stuff like that. Um, I ended up getting referrals for wineries about five years ago and I got three or four winery clients and was doing everything from, um, you know, simple menial things like, uh, showing them how to start an Instagram account to full like sales and marketing strategies, customer integration strategies, how to, um, position their, um, their company for the digital age and Mm -hmm. digital consumer. Uh, everyone buying, you know, on their phones. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, that got me really into the wine space. Um, and, uh, my longtime friend and current business partner, Jeremy Wong, he was a, uh, he, one of his companies, serial, serial entrepreneur as well. I think he has like 12 companies right now. <laughs> um, but he, uh, one of his companies was Skylab. They're a um, technology company. They white label mobile applications, full full platforms. And he called me and he said, hey, this is like a really cool opportunity. Um, We're still early stages, but we're looking for test cases. And if you're all interested, I know you have the bandwidth and the experience. Um, If you want to jump in and launch a company off our platform, I think it'd be cool. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) went and met with them. And uh, he said, "All right. So, do you know of an industry that you've like worked for or consulted with that could use our platform?" And the the um, the platform started as a corporate um, a corporate like training mobile app, but it really could scale as a social platform, like a mo- mobile marketplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him, "Yeah, the wine industry. We could become the Facebook for wine." Love um, that. So then, My Wine Society was born. That was three Love and a that. half years ago.
0: And he's a partner in it? Yeah. And My Wine Society, it's, uh, it's also, I guess, break down the business model. It's a, it's a subscription-based, I guess, what is, the, what is the core product or service of My Wine Society for anybody who doesn't have any sort of history or background on it?
1: Yeah, totally. So and it's been three? It's been around three and, three years. and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So My Wine Society at its core is a technology company. We have a mobile app, a uh, website, media division, Um, and we push out content. We, we, um, continue to iterate on the mobile app and, and, um, we're actually doing a fundraising round coming up in October, Mm. uh, for the, the mobile app division specifically. Um, but through the years, we, like a lot of companies, we, um, added on products and services, um, both based on, um, opportunity and on, um, need. So as we were iterating on the app, um, we were testing in 18 markets around the country and getting feedback from users. Um, and every time we test in a new market, we'd take the feedback, do another iteration, push out another version of the app, go test again. Really cool. And we did that for, uh, it took us about seven, eight months to get the first version out. And then it took us about seven, eight months to go test in all the markets. And, um, and one of the things we wanna do was own our backyard. So we were gonna do a big wine tasting event in San Diego. We we're gonna try to get like a thousand people out, 2000 people out to do this wine sure. tasting. And we we're gonna have them use the mobile app to, uh, to track all their tastings, to interact with wineries, to give feedback. And, um, and that was gonna be kind of our big, like last, you know, test launch. And then we were gonna raise a bunch of money and scale, you know, globally. Well, we hired an event planner to host that one event. Mm-hmm. And she ended up adding like live music and food. And you know, fast forward six months, and Blended Festival was born.
0: And this, what year was that? The 2019. Year? That's right. Yeah. It was over on the, off, off the harbor, right? Waterfront. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything was it everything you imagine Because anybody in like the event production, especially that, because that, you're kind of, you're, that, that's like the, the attendance of a festival. You're getting in the festival category. Yeah everybody knows the amount of headaches that go into that and also knows the financial commitment that goes into that. And like, uh, it's like the golden rule, like, you know, you're not going to make money on the first one. There's obviously a more, a bigger call to action for yours because you just want to get them there, see the technology right. that how was it getting your first actual th- that size event under your belt? Yeah. So I
1: had, um, as part of the, you know, 10 year consulting run, I had started run and sold, uh, an event company in the competitive cheer, dance, and gymnastics space. So we would go into cities around the country and we'd go into a convention center and we'd build a stage and um, get a bunch of teams to come register to compete, bring in judges. And we'd have about 30,000 people through the weekend, mm. uh, mostly parents and, and spectators, to come watch all their athletes compete against each other and you know, give out prizes and award shows and all that stuff. Really cool. Um, so I'd had some experience in the events, large scale event space, uh, but definitely not, you know, music festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hired someone to to do this and it wasn't ever actually intended to become a festival. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of would say, OK, so we booked this space and we're going to do it in a park and it's going to be cool. And, we're, we, you know, we got a tent rented and all that. And like, great. And then she's like, "It'd really be a really great idea if we added a stage, you know, like small stage, and some live music." Great and idea. I'm like, "Sure, yeah, we can do that." And um, so, just all along the way, she kind of kept tacking on elements yeah, to yeah. this thing, and um, it did get a little out of hand um, from a spending standpoint. But um, you know, we never really felt it because um, it was always like, "Yeah, that's that's within scope. That's cool." Go for it. Totally. And then she'd come for another ask and be like, all right, we'll find the money for that. That's fine. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. add it on. We want to make it a cool event. You know, fast forward, uh, I think we popped it up in um, 150 days, wow. like from conception to yeah. execution. That's crazy. And uh, ended up having almost 3,000 people there, uh, live music, um, a lot of local bands, but we did bring in a couple big DJs mm. to, to round out the show. 100 foot wine tasting tent. We had a huge culinary village. We had a big VIP section cool. that ended up selling out in like a week when we announced VIP mm-hmm. um, with like uh, those all white like day bed
0: cabanas. Mm. And it was cool, man. It turned into like a full on party. I had a lot of friends go, had a lot of good things to say about it. Did you? Yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, cool. I was out of town, but I had a lot of friends go and said a lot of good things. Awesome. And awesome. I kind of want to set the stage, too, because I'm really glad that was a perfect segue into the festival. Um, because I don't want to be modest at all with what now, now it is. And now you're kind of tapping into, right. Um, because that's definitely the biggest portion of what I've been watching. And I already told you, we're, we're, we're booked. We're going to Nashville. We're trying to get out to Austin and obviously you're here in San Diego, but just so everybody watching knows you had a 3000 person event in 2019, but you went from that to now you're really on a different platform. Um, and it's also, it's coming out of, uh, you know, the uh, the event space, along with, like, tourism, hospitality during pandemic were hit so hard. So it's coming out of a time where I say, looking at if I'm in your shoes, like, we're in the honeymoon right now. There are people who have been cooped up, and they want to get out. They want to be out any chance possible, because they have a year plus of just being inside and inside and inside. So, oh, yeah. So I think the timing's right, but there's a lot of people that I'm sure have looked at you and be like, "Man, Sean, you're pretty crazy for doing what you're doing." Right. And you've also, I'm sure now when you say she was coming in asking for a stage, now I've seen like the talent release and everything going out, and in three different cities, and so everybody knows too. In August, you're in Nashville. September, you're in Austin. Yep. And October, you're here in San Diego, and not in small spaces. You're in big. Oh yeah. Big venues. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to give the proper like build up for that um, because I know that is a. One one festival alone at the scale that you're doing, and with the talent and production and costs and permitting and everything you have to do is a lot. That you're biting off a lot. So I, I really want to be selfish and spend time asking like, hey, a how is it how has it been now leading And I know you're kind of in the the so to speak red zone of like just putting the ball in the end zone. Which is probably a good feeling, probably the most nerve-wracking. Um, but B, like, how has it been? Because I, w- I wouldn't want to discount the feeling of everybody coming out as a business owner of pandemic. It's just you know, it's it's getting your nerves back. It's getting you back. Like a lot of people, i I had this. Like you, you kind of got into a p- pandemic state of mind. You know the way you're thinking and you're told no, like, and and hard no. It's not like oh, yeah. a business owner before. is like cool. You tell me no, I'll figure out the way around. That the COVID and everything, there was no no is no is no. It was a hard no. So in the festival space, and what you're tapping into, it's it's a really big. There's a lot of work, and there's there's still a lot of I'm sure no's that come your way. But I wanted to 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 really get your from your level of the project. How is this? If you can even sum it up of how it's been so far, where you're sitting now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you nailed it on most of that. It's definitely, <laughs> it's
1: definitely a lot. Um, and to go from one to three is a big jump. Um, I will say we have a really great team. Uh, I, I, I uh, applaud myself on some of the hires. Um, mm. But uh, John, who's been with me since pre-pandemic, uh, he's great. He came from uh, 14 years with Cintas, mm. uh, worked his way up, um, took an early severance moved to Thailand for a little bit. That's a whole nother cool story. In fact, he should come on here. He's got a great life story as to. well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he actually fought, trained and fought um, Muay Thai in Thailand for like six months. It was crazy.
0: That's right. I've had a Muay Thai fighter on here. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Um, so he's been with me
1: from the start, and then um, and uh, we were going to do two in 2020, because after we did the first one and kind of named it, blended instead of just a My Wine Society wine tasting event. Mm-hmm. Um, we said, well, now we have this brand and we did an event. We might as well do it again next year. And let's, uh, let's decide what kind of festival company we're going to be. You know, are we going to sure. be a Coachella and try to tack on a day every year and become like this huge four-day thing? Um, and that's not the world that I came from. I came from kind of the traveling circus world. Mm-hmm. So we would go into a city on a Thursday, we'd set up shop on Friday, we'd have a two-day event, and then we'd load out and we were gone, you know, Monday morning by 6 a.m. Sure. Um, so that was kind of my background. That was my model that I wanted to do. So I said, well, let's keep San Diego and let's do one more city. Um, and this is this in 2020. And so we had plans to grow to two while growing My Wine Society still. And, um, and obviously the pandemic hit, no, no events were happening. So we pivoted the whole blended team that was on at the time to spinning up a subscription wine club uh, to answer cool. the call you know of everyone being at home and needing yeah. the alcohol delivered. And uh, we did all the work and got, um, and got all the fulfillment center in. got all the product. The product part was easy because we were in the wine space. Uh, and we have our, our clubs unique in that you get two bottles of wine at each month, um, with your subscription, but, um, we also get brands to put in product as well. So really you get cool. really cool product, like scarves, candles. Um, it's all themed stuff. So stuff you're going to use, not knickknack stuff that you're going to throw away. Um, but we did all the work to do it and we go to get all the permits, um, and the permit process ended up taking like six months. Mm. So we tried to capitalize during the pandemic as much as we could. We did a little like um, under the radar shipping yeah. uh, without permits, but now we're fully permitted, we're good to go, and <laughs> we're able to scale now. But it was kind of it was cool, it was a good use of time. And we have like the you know, we have the um, the product now and mm-hmm. it's scaling. We've got hundreds of subscribers that Love it. get it every month. So we didn't get to do, you know, the goal, which was, um, which was build the revenue during pandemic, but we did get to spend the time constructively. And I
0: feel like, uh, I mean, it's always hindsight, but people were definitely drinking during pandemic, oh, yeah. and especially delivering right to their home. That was like, uh, that had to be one of those looking back, like, god damn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we had had that set up
1: uh you know going into 2020 as one of our um, oh, for sure one of our product divisions oh, that through been, the roof oh yeah it would have yeah it would have gone it wouldn't been crazy yeah, i wouldn't be on this podcast i'd be on my <laughs> boat, boat monaco right now <laughs> well we got lucky <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but uh but yeah so that was a good use of our time and then coming out of 2020 like you said uh we were gonna do Um, Two shows in in 2020. Decided to go to three this year because we did think the demand would be there. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did change the destination cities. Um, We were going to go to Chicago in 2020 because we had a big following there.
0: Yeah.
1: But um, we didn't know when Chicago was going to open. And so we decided we've got a huge following in Austin. That's another story we can tell about uh, gloves.com. But definitely, we had a big footprint in Austin and then Nashville just seemed like a great place to go. I mean, we knew they'd be open. Uh they're a huge destination market, but they they've got um you know a really lively home base as well. Mm-hmm. So, we made the plunge, committed to the venues, you know, put down all the deposits, uh raised a little bit of cash. Um I led I led the the raise a little bit and then our existing investor base put in some money. Mm. And um and we announced uh and that was like Shoot, that was uh, December. So we hired on Kalika, who did all of our talent booking the first year. Yep. Hired her on as festival director. And she's been incredible. Um, and she, she actually put on a few festivals for some other groups in Montana and a couple other places. Yeah. Um, so she had a little bit of experience there. And then um, she brought on Christy as her first hire, which is cool. Yeah, great hires. Yeah. And then, um, and then they kind of went into their network, and we went into our network and expanded. We're up to, um, I think, about thirty-two people on the team now. Wow. Between, like, uh, you know, they're not all full-time, but between like graphic designers, motion designers, um, uh, marketing uh, agents, mm-hmm. PR, sponsorship d- development, all that stuff.
0: That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. So where are y- where are your nerves at with it right now? You're in the home stretch. Yeah, so you're going to be, you're at each one and you're very hands on with this. Yeah, you know what?
1: I'm actually getting less hands on, okay. um, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, when we hired Kalika on in December, um, I think she and I talked about five times a day for about three, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she brought Christy on, you know, John, Christy, myself, and Kalika, we probably talked like three times a day, the four of us. And that was for, you know, about a month. And then slowly as more people came on and as things started to crystallize, uh, we cut back on, you know, those meetings. And we had a standing call every day at four o'clock, literally every weekday at four o'clock, we would Mm. talk about what happened that day, what the needs were and all that. Now we're down luckily to, uh, we do two calls a week. And then everyone kind of manages their own, you know, schedules, everyone's got their own Piece of the puzzle that they're trying to contribute. Yeah, blended's cool. It's uh, it's not just a music festival. We've got a hundred foot wine tent. We have a culinary stage with mm. celebrity chefs that do on site demonstrations and um and a huge food village, a beer garden, um, a lo- huge VIP footprint. That's mm. a big part of our festival. Uh, so when you go, you can buy table service like at yeah, a nightclub. Yeah. Uh, yeah. what,
0: what, are you, what is the projected attendance now for these ones? Is, is it, and is it different per, by the city?
1: So each, um, each venue is considered a sellout at 7,500. Nice. We've got room for up to 10,000 in each venue. Nice. Uh, so if I had to make a guess right now, I'd say Nashville. Nashville is the closest, 40 years away, and it's our newest city. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's going to come in right under a sellout, maybe like 5,000. 5, Cool. Um, Austin's going to sell out. It'll be around 7500 hopefully. And then San Diego, it'll be sellout plus. That's for, right here. Yeah, we're going to hit our 10000 mark, I hope. San Diego loves their festivals. They do. Yeah. yeah. And I think we them. nailed the lineup for San Diego.
0: That's rad. That's really exciting. Yeah, and I mean, not to mention too, you got some great. There, I mean, music is part of it. You got some great musicians. I know I saw Chainsmokers are are the featured act here, right? Yep. And I know I saw like a Little John and There's a Nelly. Good, yeah, there's a good talent pool on yep. there too. Loud so. Luxury, Blanco Brown's got the number one country single out yeah, right yeah. now. That's exciting, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to to give as much credit to to what's going on because right now in the festival space, like you're a front-runner as far as what's going on in the country in, in bringing back festivals, which was, you know, that was the longest uh, uh, comeback for the uh, events, nightlife, hospitality industry. You know, the, like you said, the Coachellas of the world, and them, they're still, for the most part, taking a knee until, you know, and, and a lot of those were early Q1, Q2 events that now, whether they're going to go at the end of this year or next. but. Everybody who follows music festivals in that scene, that's who they're waiting They're waiting for those to pop up. And you guys came out strong. Like, yeah. you came out strong. Thank and I know, you. Yeah. And I know, I, I, I definitely wanted to, I, I know that there's a lot more. We can't cover the amount of like work and nerves. And like you said, five calls a day. Like, and you, and, and even though it seems like you're at the home stretch, this is really like the hard, hard working time. And then oh, yeah. it's funny because then you get the actual event itself and it's like, well, now we got to perform. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so right. I don't think people actually see with, with, a lot of these festivals, how much work, it's typically a year round project. You know, a lot of people come out and that's why I tell everybody, dude, I hold my complaints when I'm there. If there's little things like bathroom lines long or the parking is is terrible or whatever, I'm like you have no clue amount of work that goes into this. Yeah. And I know coming out of pandemic, I'm sure you had a lot more like, uh, issues and getting clearances pushed through or getting the problem, like to throw a festival like this is not easy. So I I think it's great, man. Um and and I, like I said selfishly, I wanted to know more and I'm sure we'll talk off camera uh, yeah. about that more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You nailed it on all those fronts. In fact, uh we announced Nashville um when the city approved us, but at the time we announced they only approved fifteen hundred people because uh, of the cover restrictions.
0: So, so you're kinda hedging your bet as oh man, it'll
1: Exactly. It'll clear. We announced just like hoping that the restrictions would loosen and that they'd let us go full capacity. Cause it's the, it's the baseball
0: stadium. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you knew, you know, yeah. I mean,
1: that's a good bet to place. Right. You know? Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll get up there. Yeah, exactly. But we had a lot of calls about that too. And, um, luckily we picked the right cities, I think. Mm-hmm, and, definitely. Uh, we may have picked the wrong months. It's going to be hot in Nashville, but we'll figure it out. We got some cool zones going in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we picked the right cities, I think. And uh, we're learning a lot this year. Um, but yeah, to your point, it's, uh, it's, t- it's getting into crunch time, where luckily, we did do a lot of the upfront work. Um, but to your point, I think we have an email chain just about our POS system that's like 118 emails long.
0: Right oh, now. yeah. <laughs> Any glitch in the POS system can cost you thousands yeah. of dollars. A, thousands uh, of dollars. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. 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 Well, I, and I, I don't know the other venues well, but I know San Diego, for anybody out there, like you. Being on the harbor and where it's located you're almost 360 degrees of water and it it couldn't be more of a prime location and couldn't be more like that is to me that's the stereotypical that's san diego you know you're looking at the water and i'm sure i've been to a couple events over there you know where the staging is all it's a really cool experience um to go through so i mean you can't go wrong here
1: yeah yeah and that's kind of the blended model too we tried to look for that in each city we like near the water we like skyline in the background it's kind of the setting and um you know, our goal is to do this model, like stamp this model in every city. We want to grow by double year over year. So cool. we, we went from one to three. We want to go to six. Uh, we actually have seven on the docket right now for 2022. Wait, so you're doing six next year? That's where our goal is. Wow. And then we want to go to uh,
0: 12 the next year after that. Do you know the cities next year that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple targeted. Um, we basically Googled fastest growing cities in the U.S., <laughs> and it's a start. and then made our list um but i think miami's on there love it and um and i think we're actually going to go to orange county we've got some good connections in huntington beach cool and they throw some good festivals on the beach there mhm so going to try to go there and then um And we've got a couple more up our sleeve.
0: Yeah, well, you're not going to be on a a twice-a-week call status anymore. If you're getting to six events a year, you're going to be back on the (laughs) five times a day, every day call. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, the team is doing a really good job of tracking their, um, their processes. And that's one of the mantras that I try to keep instilling into people is, you know, track everything you're doing, try to create a process around it, put it into, you know, the internal CRM or the internal, um, operating system and build it as though, you know, if you go, um, take a half a million dollar a year paying job with Apple tomorrow and we got to replace you, um, you could just hand kind of your playbook to someone. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, uh, everyone's doing a good job of that. And then. You know, it's just a scalable thing. We wanna be able to go into a city. We're gonna try to keep the day and a half model. So right now we're Friday, we open the doors at, um, at two, I think, mm-hmm. and close at 10. And then Saturday, we're all day um, 12 to, or no, I think we're four to 10 on Friday and 12 to 10 on Saturday. Really cool. Um, and then, so we're trying to go in Thursday, you know, pop it up mostly on Friday morning, um, half day Friday, all day Saturday, Wrap up and we're out of there by Sunday morning. Love it. Um, and if we can repeat that model. I think we can get a nice scalable experience for mm-hmm. for everyone.
0: Yeah. Well, you got customers sitting in here. At least four of us. <laughs> there you go. In, in two of the three, maybe three of the three cities. So I'm really excited, and I know we'll have plenty of conversations more about that between now and then. But I do want to want to get because uh, I wasn't I wasn't uh, briefed on Gloves.com or any of that part of like your long list of credentials and businesses. And I know you said there's some great stories there. So I mean, we, we almost got into it. We said, hey, hold that, hold that thought. We want to talk about this. <laughs> there you go. Fresh in the thought on camera. So um, I want to hear, because I know you also said you're about to file your IPO for gloves.com. And it sounds like it's a really big project. Um, so I'm learning right now on the fly. Um, and this was not in my homework okay. <laughs> set. So um, I'll talk me. to Veronica about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't want to get her in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, tell us so, so. Give us the background on that.
1: Yeah, so uh, through my consulting company, Woniva Group, um, we the even though I was running mostly running my wine society, the company was still active, um, and uh, we had a number of different overseas manufacturing connections from you know the last ten years of working in the consulting space, and um, when the pandemic hit, like like we talked about um, our, my wine society's funding round kind of blew blew up when the round hit our lead investor backed out Mm. and we're like, okay, well, it'd be great to be scaling our, our mobile app right now, but um, you know, we're not going to be able to raise during the pandemic and we can't throw live events. So let's pivot to um, building the subscription model service. Uh, But it did free up a lot of time. Yeah. And um, you know, all I kept hearing for the first 60 days was there's, PPE shortage everywhere. You know, no one can get masks, no one can get sanitized, no one can Mm -hmm. get gloves, you know, all this stuff. Um, So I called up a couple of manufacturers we had overseas to see if they could do it. Um, We started importing masks and gowns uh, early on. I think our first container came over in like, uh, let's see, uh, late April. Mm. And um, we quickly pivoted to gloves. Um, Single-use disposable gloves, vinyl, latex, nitrile. Um, nitrile is what is used mostly by doctors and nurses and hospitals. And um, pivoted to that mostly because, uh, you know, we kind of knew that we couldn't do everything. And gloves had been around for a long time. And, you know, if we did get stuck with a bunch of inventory, which we did end up doing, I'll tell mm-hmm. you that story, <laughs> uh, there'd still be a market for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of we kind of knew that early on. And in June, we um, pivoted almost entirely to gloves. In August, we imported uh, one hundred thousand boxes of nitro gloves. Wow, yeah, and um, that was that was, you know, at the peak, which was cool. Um it was cool because we were we were getting contacted by a ton of people that needed it. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, not only hospitals uh, couldn't get gloves, but even like, you know, local doctor's offices and stuff and yeah. dental practices, like their suppliers, you know, the U lines and all them, they just told them, no, mm. um, if they weren't a major, a major buyer, you know, if it's a mom and pop, uh, operation, they just couldn't get them. Damn. So, um, so it was cool to you know, be a resource for people and bring them in. And, you know, we were at the peak of the pandemic, so margins were good. And, uh, you know, we always tried to stay under the market. Um, so we didn't get any price gouging or anything like that. But um, through through that, I think we were, Crane Worldwide was our logistics partner. And I think they told us one month we were their largest PPE importer Damn. that month. Damn. Uh, yeah, we had like, at one point we had 38 containers on the water. Jesus. Which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so through, through that whole process, we had some investors in Austin that helped um, Help fund a lot of it, mm-hmm. um, and some in New York as well. And uh, so we grew rapidly. We went from uh, eighty thousand in sales, end of July, or early August, um, to December. We did five million, Jesus. and January we did six point five million.
0: Jesus!
1: Um, all gloves. Wow! Yeah, man. it was wild.
0: That so is um, crazy.
1: Yeah. So literally from zero. Yeah. In June. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. So, uh, so that was really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other cool thing wow. was uh, we met the owner of Gloves.com during mm-hmm. this. And believe it or not, he'd owned the domain for uh, almost 20 years. Uh, and um, when we came across it, uh, it was literally like a word sheet like with three paragraphs about latex vinyl and nitrile gloves and his email and phone number at the bottom. Really? That could, was, could you purchase on the site? That was the whole website. No, no, no. <laughs> it was literally like a, like you're typing on Microsoft word. That was, <laughs> that was the website. Um, and he has a one man show. He always had been, Not he always had been. He, he had a, uh, he had a bigger operation I think in the early two thousands. Um, but he was kind of into everything. So, um, yeah so we came across the domain uh we were doing quite a few glove sales thought it'd be cool to own gloves.com yeah so we purchased a domain from him in december in fact i think we signed the paperwork um on december 27th so Mm -hmm. like just after christmas Mm -hmm. and uh so that was really cool
0: um that couldn't have been cheap no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And I'm sure a lot of, of the pandemic. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of negotiating, too. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, he's a really cool guy.
1: Um, and and he, he wanted to be he didn't just want to pay out. Um, you know, he could auction the site for a million bucks if he wanted to yeah. and just walked away. Um, but he wanted to be part of like a growth and a company and like, you know, see it through uh, or at least stay on enough to like help grow it and provide expertise and insight. Uh and you know, outside of the previous um six months, none of us had been in the glove spaces either. So sure. we wanted to keep him on for a couple of years and have that you kind know, of veteran around. And uh, so he's still on board as a consultant for us. And um yeah, January to I think February like fifth, um our partners in Austin, they come from the e space mm-hmm. and they man, they worked super hard for like thirty-five days straight. And launched the uh e-com website um, first week of February. So all the sales
0: prior to that, none, none of it was e-comm.
1: No, and in fact the majority of the sales still to this day are are B2B. Oh wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So we have a we have an e-comm side and an enterprise side. Gotcha. Uh, and now we're up to um we've really spent a lot of time post-pandemic um building our distribution network and our referral partners. Mm. Um that's that's like going to be the bulk of our company, actually, in terms of sales. Really cool. Um, is just bringing people on that are already in the space and they want consistent supply. They want to be able to say they're an authorized distributor for Gloves.com. It's cool. The brand yeah. helps a
0: lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is rad. I can't help but have the first question that I ask, and I feel like I, I know what the answer is going to somewhat be because you said you're leaving here and you're going to be at your office till midnight tonight working. <laughs> is man managing all this and that's that's definitely a big part of of the podcast you know is packaging up for people you know what like you're there there's different uh, stages of being in the weeds wherever you are whether it's early on starting that first business back in Oregon uh, to where you are now you know sometimes i think people think that it like thins out but I don't. I don't necessarily know that's always the truth. Um, obviously, you grow a bigger team and partners and investors, which which helps. But I always have to ask after hearing that because, like, what you just said, one of those can be one person's like entire life business, and you've got multiple going on. So the question is, like, how to like as a personal, personally, outside of uh, outside the the court uh, and, and playing, like, what? How does this balance out with your personal life? If it if it even does oh well that's not where I thought you were going with the question, but um
1: it's it's tough yeah uh, the some sometimes I don't have a personal life um like you mentioned I will all be going back to the office till probably midnight tonight um, but uh you know i I really like what I do I like the people I work with um, and we have a lot of really cool opportunity so it's kind of like if you, if you have all those things, you gotta take advantage of it while it's there. Um, but to your point, um, you know, I, ha- I, I have a girlfriend now. I didn't have one for like the last four years. Mm-hmm. She's um, successful in her own right and works a ton. Um, but we, we, take, we take time on weekends. Um, I'm in the office most Saturday mornings, but I try to take like Saturday afternoon and Sunday mm-hmm. uh, to just not work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love doing, um, I do love doing meetups on weekends as well. So you know, if I if I am gonna go, um, go have beers or happy hour or something sure, like that, yeah. I try to do it with someone that's you know related to the business in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, we've got um, we've got a nice core of investors for both companies here in San Diego. Oh, nice! So it's easy to um, go grab happy hour. And make it business related. Yeah, you know, for keep sure. Keep the relationship strong and, and it's all good people.
0: So, is, is there anything, just personally speaking, when you look back at all your, like your career, and I know you still got a long road ahead too, that you felt like uh, either you would do differently or any sort of regret you have from a personal standpoint on all the business work and entrep- serial entrepreneurism over the years? Um, well,
1: <clears throat> I don't think I have any. Um, regrets necessarily. I think you just, you look back and there's definitely things you could have done way better. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, everyone learns at their own pace. I think, uh, I think one thing that, uh, you know, try to add some value for your listeners. If you are looking for something um, to avoid that I could have done a better job of just to kind of sum up the whole experience is um, there are so many experienced people out there that are willing to give you advice and help for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you just gotta, you just gotta target the right people and structure it the right way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and then you gotta take the advice. So yep. I'm, uh, I'm unfortunately one of those people you gotta like hit me over the head with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Oh, turn left. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so I've got to like live the whole thing. And then I, sure. then I get it. Um, so, yeah, I would say just learn from the people that are already there, you know, or have been there and try to avoid those things uh, that, um, you know, that you can learn from or do things well, totally, uh,
0: that they know works. So, I'll ask you a question. I'm sure you've probably gotten a lot. Because um, right now, uh, I feel uh, owning a business, entrepreneurism has is, is, is never been more popular. And I don't really see like the popularity. Um, Going away at any anytime soon.
1: That's Gary V. Thanks, buddy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Really, just drills that home every day. Yeah, um, but I've gotten like as I get further along. I also I I now actually um, I I ask people the question was uh, someone's asking like who is interested in starting a business and asking your advice on that. Hey, I want to start this business. Whatever the business is, what are your suggestions? And I want to get your take on it because I, where I used to be, because I used to be a big Gary Vee consumer, and this was like early, and I'm only got ten years in, and I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot, have so much to learn. But uh, I actually now endorse, like, no, I think we've also turned the corner with that entrepreneur spirit that a lot of these companies have switched to their company culture, that it's oh, it's like actually a great working environment for employees. And there's actually like, there's profit sharing opportunities and there's great, like like you said, you have a great team. And I think that that's from like the generation before us or our parents' generation and all that, like it was very, like you sit at your desk in your cubicle, you clock in, you clock out. That has all shifted. So I, I always ask people, you know, like what else is important to you? Because this was so important to me. Like, this is number one when I wake up. I don't know if it will always be that way. But there's other people who want to start like a family and they want to have this they have a different priority set. So I always ask that first. But I'm curious, because I'm sure you've gotten that question plenty of times, is what's your advice? And And this is, again, in the spirit of adding value to people listening. Um, to someone who is is interested and wants to start their own own business or might be working at a job And I feel like right now it's almost taboo like oh you work you work for the man I'm like no That's there's nothing wrong with that Some of my best buddies are some of my wealthiest friends work for the so to speak man and then oh, some yeah. of them now They're actually working entirely remote. They have that they have a lot of freedom So like I feel like there's a big again. Thank you Gary V. There's a big messaging out there It's like either that entrepreneurism or die like no not at all but I kind of gave you without asking the question and not giving my bias side of it. I wanted to get your take on now that you. I mean, you have such a, a decorated resume. Like, what's your advice to people who are wanting to start a business? Yeah, yeah. Uh, great question. One point of clarity.
1: I do love that Gary V says, you know, go that route if you're unhappy. Uh, mm-hmm. But he he does he does drill into I think on the reverse. Um, that if you have, you know, a standard nine to five and you're raising your kids and you're happy, like good on you. That's totally. just not like how he's built. Um, but I think we're kind of cut from the same cloth in that manner. Like I got a taste early on of entrepreneurism and, um, and there's that, you know, funny meme that floats around the internet that like, uh, entrepreneurs say, you know, I can't work, uh, nine to five. And so then they end
0: up working like 7am to midnight, which yeah. is what i am doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, And you have so many years in too. You think that that's oh, that's the first year or the first few months. Like, no way. No, no, no that's, uh, that's forever. Yeah. 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 Until, until you get,
1: uh, either get lucky, not lucky. I mean, until you reach that point where, um, you do get that IPO or you do get that exit, then you get to, you know, kind of enjoy it. But until you hit one of those milestones, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're working more than any nine to fiver is mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, But uh, yeah, for those people that, you know, are considering it, um, I would say one, consider first like if you enjoy your life um, Mm -hmm. the way it is. And if, you know, working your way up in a company, like, you know, really evaluate, are they taking care of you? Do you have some kind of profit share or, you know, um, or some kind of uh, equity earnout, or something? And if you do and you like your work, uh, to your point, it's probably a good place to stay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we try to build that in for all of our employees. So all of our full-time employees have equity earnouts, revenue sharing. Really cool. Um, yeah, they're all gonna get paid if blended does well. Uh, and if it sells, they're all gonna get really paid. So mm-hmm. uh, we try to build that same corporate culture that you mentioned, yeah, where yeah. you know everyone's got their salaries and all that and, they're, and that, but we try to always also have some skin in the game for them. like you know, let's hit these numbers, let's do well, and let's try to get this, um, this exit or, or just, you know, reach a certain plateau and everyone will, um, everyone will enjoy the, uh, the rewards of that. But um, uh, if people do want to jump to starting their own business, I would say um, the biggest thing is really think through what the industry is, um, what you're providing And there's that famous saying, like, you don't get paid for time, you get paid for value. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a company or you want to start, what is your product or service, and how is it differentiated from the market, and how are you going to provide more value than the existing competitors that you have? Totally. Um, And if you can't answer that question, um, and that's the other hard thing about it, is if you're new to the market, um, and you're just a little bit better. You're not going to have success. Mm-hmm. You've got to you've got to be a lot better, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be really hard. So you've got to make sure your diff- differentiator is a big gap, sure, um, because it, you know change is hard for people, um, and they want validation. So you might be really cool, but if no one's adopting it, then yeah, you're not sure. going to get any customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tough. It's really tough. So you got to answer those questions first. Then the second thing I would say is have a really well-defined detailed roadmap out two or three years, uh, of not only how you're going to build your product service, but how you're going to go to market, how you're going to gain customers. Um, and start with some, you know, uh, I think a great term that's being used right now is stretch goals. Mm. Um, start with something that, is attainable, but is maybe like, you know, will be really hard to get there. Yeah, yeah. In like maybe month um, you know, thirty-two. And whatever that goal is, month thirty two, work it back to day zero and try to be as detailed as possible. So I love that. Yeah, build one build build year one, two, and three roadmap, then build month one, two, three, four, five, all the way to thirty-two, and then build week. One, two, three, four, all the way to you know 300. Totally. Do you have any of those right now you can share? Any roadmaps? And any good stretch goals? Oh, yeah. We have a stretch goal. Yeah. So um, blended, our stretch goal is to get to six events next year. Nice. So we went from one the first year to three this year. We're going to try to double every year. Mm. Um, that's uh, that's, so, that's aggressive. So three to six, six to 12? Six to 12. OK. And then 12 to 24 with international events. Yeah. So we want to be, by 2024, we want to have 24 blended events in three countries. You know that breaks
0: down to two a month. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just want to make sure we we all understand that. That's crazy, man. Good for you. But you're right. Everything you said, too, about if, if you have a team who understands like creating a process buying everything at that point it's it's never plug and play I don't even want to but it does get closer and closer to that feeling Like you, you got the production down you get the metrics and numbers and data and you're also remarketing now because you're building all those ticket buyers brand and awareness. buyers and all that yep. like that's huge that's a normal progression and people then like they will travel for the brand and, and that's great and you also if you're you're working with these cities and they're seeing like you're you're boosting the economy here but people are getting hotel rooms it's, it's in hospitality because you're right in downtown so all the spillover is going to go to restaurants and all that. You start getting the city behind it. Now the cities will back it and cities will obviously welcome you. And if not knocking on your door, come to us. So it, uh, it's, that sounds super stretch right now, but that's, I I mean, that's, that's great, man. It's a great roadmap.
1: Yeah, and uh, to your point, there's cities that'll pay you to come into town. Yeah, they've got a budget for traveling events. Yeah, um, that we're gonna try to take advantage of next year. It's
0: smart if they don't. It's smart. It's funny. On on, as I was walking over to the office here too, we're actually working on a deal with a venue out in uh, Nashville right now, um, and they're really familiar. They actually know. Uh, one of the operators is from Vegas, so he knows Calica, oh, cool. and we were talking, I was talking exactly about this. I said, man, if, and I said, I don't, I don't know the inner workings in Nashville, but I know like we do some work with the gas stamp quarter association and these village association, these, the bodies down here. Um, and that's what they're, they're starting to do. Like the Wonderfront festival that was right before pandemic, you know, that was specifically picked on a date that was like, uh, from a number standpoint, one of the lightest weekends of the entire calendar year for San Diego is like November. It was like right. the weekend before after Thanksgiving. So it's like, hey, we're going to turn this into year over year, San Diego South by Southwest. Now, what that's going to convert into the hotels, the tourism, the, the, the restaurant spends, um, it's like a massive convention coming in. And we see the spillover that that creates that's smart. And I was telling him out there, I'm like, I hope you guys are all doing it. And he said that from an operator standpoint, he's like, yes, we a hundred percent are, we're doing whatever we can. And obviously as a close relationship with Kalika, but I'm sure in time, that's what every city is going to be open arms to.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's how, that's what we hope, um, is to take advantage of, uh, the city budgets to take advantage of the scalable processes, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and. Um, and that's just a blended brand too. Like we want to come in and produce a really high quality experience. It's not a music festival where you go and just stand and rave in front of the stage. Totally. You know, you got your wine tasting, culinary um, chef demonstrations, a huge VIP footprint. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's an elevated but accessible experience. Mm-hmm. And um, and we want to go in, throw a world class event, and go out, mm-hmm. and we'll see you next year. I love that. Yeah. Um, so that's a stretch goal that we have right now. But, you know, back to your point, I think you, you need to have that clearly defined roadmap. And then, um, and then once, you've, once you've figured that out, you figure out all pieces to that too, right? So mm-hmm. if you know you, you wanna get to year three with this goal in mind and you work backwards to that, the more detailed you are, the better. And that's gonna help define like your, your cash needs. Totally. Uh, if you need to raise capital, uh, you can define your budgets through that um, plan. Requires your or it uh, helps you define your personnel needs mm-hmm. and what inflection points you're going to hit when you need to hire, um, when you might need office space, when to grow. You know all those things. So, um, you know, back to your original question, what could I have done better along the way? I could have done that a lot better. Yeah, spend spend like two extra weeks before I started something, just building that you know, to completion and very detailed. Mm. Uh, and it's going to change. You know, you're know, you not going to be able to stick to it. But at least you've got something. Right? Sure, yeah. Um, what, some map is better than no map.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. I like you know. that. I'm going to ask you something, and we're, we're about short on time. But I'm going to ask you something that I, I pull out of the holster only with certain people, because you seem like one of those persons. Okay. <laughs> is there anything you fear? Because um, you, you've taken on I mean you you've taken on a lot. And like I said, even if one of your businesses would be some one person's like lifetime business and you have multiple, you seem very fearless in in the type of businesses and just your pursuit what you've done. But I always like to let people know like, no 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 one no one's invincible. Everybody has their, their like their insecurities, their vulnerabilities, their fears. So I always like I, I put it out there one time and I've had really good results, but it's from people when I sit across them, I'm like, man, they just seem fearless. Like, do you have any fears? Yeah. So, um, I think I feel fear
1: like very intensely actually. Mm. Um, but, uh, and, and it, gr- it only grows, right. Cause mm-hmm. like when you, um, luckily in the gloves business, we have seven partners. So I can, I can kind of distribute the fear and responsibility out sure. a little bit. <laughs> um, but in my wine society, you know, I do have two partners, but one manages the tech side full time and is you know, a partnership through there. And um, one manages kind of like you said, I live in the weeds, he kind of lives in the clouds. He manages like the strategy and the That's interesting. In- investor relations and all that. Um, so when it comes to my wine society, and it's getting better now because we have really responsible employees that are getting really good at their job. But at the end of the day, especially on that side of the fence, Um, if there's a fire, like it burns up to me and Mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta find a way to put it out. And, and Elon Musk is, has a great quote about this. Like if you want to, if you want to run your own company, you are as the, you know, founder or CEO or both, um, you essentially spend your entire day managing the distillation of all the worst problems in the company. So, any problems that anyone else can't figure out it works down and it eventually gets to you. So you, by the time it gets to you, you know, the world's already on fire. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to manage those things and that's all you end up doing the whole day. Yeah. Um, so, and as you grow, that only gets worse. Like you're only managing more fires. So, um, so yeah, I feel, f- I feel fear intensely. Um, but um, on one side you know on both sides I've got great partners great employees great support structure um, but uh, the other thing is I, I just believe in what we're doing like yeah, Gloves has helps. a Gloves has a clear path to we're gonna um, talk about stretch goals uh, during <laughs> back in uh, late February we had our annual a partner meeting for Gloves and our goal was to hit 500 million in revenue this year Jesus. We're not even come close. <laughs> but we laid out a path and yeah, you yeah. know, we're doing the things to try to get there. The obviously with the pandemic ending, it it um crushed a bunch of our business and took away a bunch of the margins. But, you know, we're still gonna hit uh I think our projections as of last week were sixty five million wow. this year. Yeah so we'll do okay still. That's great. Um and uh um but yeah it's it's as though as they get bigger you know the problems get bigger yeah. and the bucks got to stop somewhere so um so i feel I, I i feel that a lot but um but all of them have clear paths to success really good team members and um you just got to Keep going every day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like it's like working out. If you want to get in shape, you got to
0: wake up every day and go to the gym, even the days you don't feel like it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, and and I think it's good that people know that you still. Because I'm sure that you probably get a lot of people's insight on you is like it, that you there is no fear and there's like, everything's cushy, you know. Um, but I had a guy on on the podcast last year who said you it was kind of talking about some of this, but he said, you just have to choose your suck. You have to choose what 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 suck you want to deal with in life. And it was kind of talking about the same thing. Like there's a lot of things that suck about being poor and there's things that suck about being rich. You know, like you have to choose, uh, well, and, and I'm, I'm totally probably botching the way he described it, but we, we peeled it back even more because I was going down the same road with him. Like he's very successful, owns a bunch of different grocery stores here in San Diego, comes from a family that's super successful too. And, and he's right. I'm like, dude, there's, there's, there's fear on both sides of that. So it's choosing, oh, you yeah. know, but yeah. yeah, man, this is great. Um, I definitely want to, uh, I, I have a lot more that I could, I could run up the clock asking you uh, about. So I'm definitely going to, um, get you off camera and and talk some more. Really excited. I know you said you're 40 days away. We'll be out in Nashville. So if you're not running around the place, we'll we'll, we'll try and catch you. We'll be a customer and we'll just be enjoying. So we'll be wine in hand or several wines in hand that weekend. Nice. But uh, I'm really excited to watch it all roll out. And, and I also like overly appreciate you taking time coming over. Um, and if you need another beer or two before going back to the office, by all means, our house is your house. Awesome. But, but thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And congrats on episode 37. Thank I you. You made it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. We're there. So that's great. Appreciate it. I know we will keep in touch. Awesome. Right. Thanks for having that's me, guys. Good. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>